This is Scott McNamara with What's New in Adapted Physical Education. Today we have a really special episode where we're going to talk with some of the staff members at NICPAD, uh, which is a national organization funded through the CDC for building healthy communities for people with disabilities. Um, before we get started, I just want to wish everyone a happy end of the school year. I know it's a hectic time trying to get everything all together. So I hope it all runs smoothly. So today we're gonna have Dr. Jim Rimmer, a professor at the University of Alabama at Birmingham and the director of NICPAD on here. And he's done a lot of research in our field and is a very well-known researcher and has been one of those key people to make an organization and pair it with something like the Centers for Disease Control. And then we also have Alex Martinez, uh, the expert inclusion specialist for Nick Pad, who's also going to join us. So while listening today, my hope is that everyone listens and here's some different resources they can use through NICPAD. Although NICPAD makes something for adaptive physical activity professionals, period, um, they have a lot of things for educators as well. And if you actually go onto my blog, uh, Alex was kind enough to share with me a whole thing of resources just for educators. Go check out the blog because he has a whole bunch of things like newsletters and all these different things that you can check out. So I'm going to get started. We're going to get started and with the interview and they're going to talk about who they are and, and why they, uh, they're with NickPad. Um, but if you if you two want to like give me a quick like, you know, who are you and, and why are you working with NickPad? Okay, um, I can probably start. Um, so my name is Alex Martinez, and I work for NICPAD as an inclusion specialist. Background is physical education and coaching uh, different kinds of sports. Uh, I got involved with the uh, military on uh, coaching city volleyball, and that's how I kind of got introduced to the field of disability. So then I reached out to NICPAD. They were the one that needed somebody with a P background. So that's when I come in. Um, I am the one that kind of, uh, manage the educator sector on our on our resource center, our national resource center. So that's what I do. That's how I got into this, this disability world. Great. And my name is Jim Rimmer, and I've been in the field for over 40 years. I started uh, back in New York City as one of the first adapted PE teachers in the public school system. And then from there, I went to uh, Ohio State for a master's degree in adapted physical education and then finished my PhD in 1982 from Texas Women's University. So, you know, I had a well-rounded education and a strong passion for promoting the health and well-being of people with disabilities, including children and adults. Wonderful, wonderful. And then so, and how did you get involved uh, a little bit more with NICPAD? Well, you know, it, it, it's an interesting story. Back in 1998, uh, a couple of years after the Paralympics, which was hosted in Atlanta, Georgia, the first Paralympics in in this, uh, in this country, formal Paralympics, there was an incentive post-Olympics to, to, to develop some sort of a training center. And uh, at that time, the, the, the word on the street was, you know, let's look at potential opportunities for funding. So Newt Gingrich was the Speaker of the House in that, in that era and uh, put some money into CDC, which was in Atlanta, to develop a Paralympic training center. 
But unfortunately, what ended up happening was the uh, announcement came out when CDC got a hold of it, and they made it more open-ended physical activity for people with disabilities. And of course, that's been a passion of mine for many, many years, having the National Center, a one-stop center where people can come and learn about uh, what, what this whole field is about. So we ended up applying and received the funding in 1999 and started the National Center on what we called then physical activity and disability. And then in 2012, uh, we added the word health so that we're much broader now than just physical activity. We do a lot of work in nutrition. Alex has a colleague, uh, uh, Rebecca, who does quite a bit of work in the area of nutritional needs of people with disabilities. We know that there's a tremendous gap in the literature, you know, certain nutritional guidelines for people with disabilities who have inflammation or pain or fatigue. So there's a lot of work in that area. And we also are starting to bridge into something called mindfulness, you know, and wellness, which we think could have enormous relevance to people with disabilities. So NIPCA has sort of spread its wings over the last uh, 19 years. And uh, next year will be our actually 20th anniversary. So we're very proud that a major federal agency has made a commitment to this area, and we feel very much in, in, in spirit that our foundation is adapted physical activity and all that you do. Wow, you uh, you answered quite a bit in there, actually. Um, so NICPAD is this large organization, and I, I guess you know my background with NICPAD is I know some, you know I ha- I took a class where we used a book with about the inclusive fitness trainer. I've seen you guys at conferences sometimes, and then I've I've used your website for a few different things. I the one thing I used to use it um, or teach my class about was uh, your aim free manual. I kind of maybe want some more narrower things. You talked a little bit about research that you're doing and the different resources that you're creating. It it seems like you all, and you can correct me, but it seems like you do this huge multitude of things, right? So how does somebody uh, like an APE teacher or somebody else out in the community not get overwhelmed by the information you have and kind of, how can they utilize your information? Yeah, so that's, that's a good point. Uh, we, um, like Dr. Rimmer explained, uh, we are very broad in terms of some of the resources that we have. Uh, we have different five different target audiences. We have public health professionals, healthcare providers, educators, uh, individuals and caregivers, and then we also have fitness professionals. And maybe uh, the CHT, CIFT uh, class that you took uh, came as an effort of that target uh, section. Um, the way that educators or APE teachers can go into our website and look for information is by uh, clicking on that tab that says educators. We also have a search button there that you can put a topic and something will pop up. Uh, we also have technical assistance so you can, uh, if there's something that you wanted to find, some information, certain adaptations about a sport or a skill, uh, you can uh, go online, chat with one of the inclusion specialists, and then we provide technical training, technical support that way. We also have a uh, email that you can just bring your questions up and we also have a 1-800 number set up that you can call and immediately one of us is going to uh, be able to answer your questions and then if if not if you need more resources then we can follow up with you with all the resources that you need yeah and if i could just add i think what you're bringing up has been an issue that we've known about before alex uh joined us in you know in the last cycle of funding when we started the center uh scott we realized that there wasn't a one-stop place where pe- people can go. So we, we decided in 1998 that the best way to approach this was to make this a paperless center where you could download fact sheets and 
you know, different types of uh, tools and manuals and things of this nature. But we have now matured to a level uh, with Alex's arrival and four other expert information specialists where we realize now that for someone who's in education, they have very little interest in what a healthcare professional would want or somebody in the disability and aging service sector or a family member that has a child with mild traumatic brain injury and wants to encourage them to participate in some type of activity. So the center has sort of revamped itself and it's gone through this almost like a paradigm shift where now we're just not a resource center. What we hope we'll, you'll see over the next couple of years is that we've actually now gone from being a resource to a practice center. So now we're all about trying to bridge those two. And what we mean by practice is that you have, anybody in the educational world has a friend in Alex, right? And doesn't need to get the 80 to 90% of the content. They can get a hold of Alex. He's got his own micro newsletter that deals directly with it. You know, educators, if there's workshops that come out, he could do that. If somebody comes in and says, I've got a child, you know, with autism, he could refer them to a specialization at ACSM Homes. So we, we, we have identified, just like you described, that the world who comes to Nick Pitt doesn't need everything and that it could be overwhelming in some respects. And now what we've done is we've almost made this like a franchise. So Alex has his own franchise. His role is unique. He could do whatever he feels is there to expand the field. Would you say that? Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's correct. Uh, I got the liberty to to produce and put resources that disseminate resources that teachers really want. And there are different ways to kind of disseminate those. You know, whether it's through our newsletter or micro newsletter, or sometimes uh, um, in a conference we we go to different conferences and we meet with a bunch of teachers. Uh, we also do some local community work, and uh, I get a chance to kind of state in different councils and just talk to teachers and ask them, what do you need? What do you need from the center? And, and that's a good way for me to come up with like uh, resources that are going to close the gap. I'm going to ask a follow-up question to that. Like, so what are some of the different resources that teachers and such are asking you to create then? And this podcast isn't just for teachers at all, but right. I, that does seem to be the majority of people that are listening to it. So that's a good question. Uh, we actually partner with after schools. And we were able to disseminate a survey. We got about 742 responses of different teachers throughout the nation. That survey was asking about what are some of the needs? Um, what do you need? And a lot of the questions that we received was needed more training. Uh, also, they needed uh, more help from uh, the different districts, like not knowing where the AP specialist was going to be. How can they contact that person? Also, we got a lot of questions about adaptations. Uh, teachers are want to do the adaptations, but they, they may not know how to do adaptations uh, in order to make the class inclusive. So, um, so we try to create resources that show how to do adaptations of different skills and sports. And some of my newsletter that is coming out focus on that. So if you go in that newsletter, you're going to see that I got different activity cards, how to modify different skills. Um, how to come up with some strategies for behavior management, things of that nature. So that was a good, um, a good partnership to be able to know some of those needs and put some resources out there that are actually worth uh, looking into. All right. You guys also talked a little bit about research and, and advocacy, too. You know, I know that you're all doing research and such. What Are you doing uh, research in the field of adapted physical education, or is it more broad towards that health component for people with disabilities? I could take that one. So, you know, we, we weren't allowed 
uh, over the last 19 years to do research because uh, the CDC has two funding streams. They have a research funding stream and they have a non-research funding stream. But I think we've now got them to a point of, in order for us to move the field forward and to have an evidence base where people can be assured that what we are recommending has been tested, uh, we, we've been kind of given a little bit indirectly some assurances that as long as you call it science or evaluation or translation, that they'll be okay with it. So our field now, our, our, our programs now are being developed with very, very carefully designed, valid, systematic adaptations. And one of the things that I've seen as an adaptive physical activity professional for over 40 years is that we've missed the science in adaptive physical activity to a large extent. You know, I, uh, I, my background is exercise physiology and adaptive. And, you know, if you get into the exercise physiology literature, you know, they've got a real good evidence base, don't they? If they tell you to do cardiovascular training and if you do it for X amount, you see a dose response effect. We need those same types of dose response effects for people with disabilities, children. So if you take a child with autism, what is the dose response effect of a basketball program or of an after school program? And you know, if you go into our literature, sad to say that we don't really have it. So what Nick Pitt now has is that we have something called the GRADES, which are which stands for guidelines, recommendations, adaptations, including disability. And these grades were developed with a $2 million grant from one of the federal agencies. And now Alex is using those grades to develop adapted evidence-based programs. So in other words, there are many, many evidence-based programs on children, but there are only a couple of evidence-based programs on children with disabilities. And so what Alex is doing is now is using this tool called the grades to be able to adapt programs. I'm gonna turn it back over to him because he has a couple of programs that might be very appealing to your audience that now have been adapted for children with disabilities. Alex? Yeah, so um, like Dr. Rimmer said, uh, we uh, used, I'm able to use that framework to make adaptations of different uh, programs. Uh, one of the programs that have a lot of success uh, that we did recently did is uh, Girls on the Run. Uh, with, that, um, with that program, we were able to, uh, to make adaptations so they can be incorporated in the curriculum. Uh, we came at a really good point where they were about to release uh, their curriculum manual, um, and we were able to put our adaptations in the manual already. Um, with that as well, we were able to um, to run a pilot program here in Birmingham, and with, along with 14 other um, councils uh, around, the, around the different states. And uh, so we were able to also not only provide the adaptations to run the program in different states, and then... Uh, get numbers and ideas and assessments and see how they success stories, see how they really um, were able to promote um, and use the curriculum that we provided. Uh, another curriculum that we have to uh, provide adaptations for our SPARK uh, after-school program and also the uh, CATCH uh, early intervention program. Uh, so those are more related to uh, physical education and recreational specialists. Uh, we have other programs that we have um, as well um, uh, made out of session for them, like a, um, a diabetes program by CDC, um, weight-wise as management program. So uh, there's a variety of programs that we will create adaptations for, but mainly those three that I explained first are the ones that are kind of related to the physical activity of somebody or just in school or in an after-school setting. Girls in the Wrong programs is one that uh, is already being incorporated. Uh, 
the diabetes prevention program. Uh, some states are using it, and then we are also providing training for that as well. So those two are currently going on. The other ones are more like the final stage. Yeah, but I think your point is a good one, and that is we are revamping our website. You know, it was created organically by our information communication technology person, and uh, we're going through a major overhaul using you know the newer and the better technologies. And when we do that, you know, a front and center goal for Alex and the other expert information specialist got us to really make sure that this is designed in such a way that if somebody wants a tool, if they want an adaptive program like the Spark program or Girls on the Run, it's very easy to find as a button where they can call an information specialist. But the other side of the research paradigm really is to get people to give us the evidence that these adaptations are working. So we really see research as a bi-directional flow of information. We provide the Girls on the Run or the SPOT program to the community service provider. And what we hope will happen is they'll stay in touch with us and they'll give us this information so that we can start to build the evidence. Because unless we really look at this as a two-way street, you know, just sending information out and not having any response back, you know, will limit the capacity of our profession to really build a big science, a lot of science, which I've been referring to as inclusion and adaptation science. So we need to begin to use the term science behind APA. If we only say adaptive physical activity, and we don't have that science at the end of the word, I don't think people are going to acknowledge that we do research. And I think that actually transitions really well to the struggle that usually occurs in the school districts as well of trying to validate our profession. Um, which really just happens in like the physical education profession. And the more evidence we have and, and accessible evidence that we have uh, to m- promote that I think is excellent. Uh, I'm really interested going back, I think, to the first thing that you started talking about. Was it GRADE? Was that the acronym you used? Yes, it is. Yeah, because to me, that GRADE system uh, sounds like a really nice way that we can better advocate also for the field of APE uh, and APA in general. And I, I really like what your all the things that you do. I mean, you're, you're, as you said before, you're one of the only organizations, if not the only and largest, that does what you do. You promote health for people with disabilities. And you do it all through providing resources and research, and you're also a huge advocacy piece. So, you know, I think... It, all that information that if you want to share it with me, I can share it to my users as well because it's so important um, and some of those key things. And and so I'm going to lead that kind of to my next – and we can talk broadly and talk to the field of education. But what are some of your most popular resources um, that are coming from you all and, and who exactly is using them? The majority of our resources can be used by either teachers, paraprofessionals. Uh, we got resources for um, – Occupational therapies and, and PTs, uh, recreation specialists, teachers, uh, regular teachers as well. Um, and we have many, many resources, but I think some of the resources that um, that are more broadly used uh, in the field is the uh, inclusive uh, PE guidebook. Uh, on that one, we also have a, um, a training platform where you can go online and access an online training specific to that guidebook. Uh, we also have an inclusive uh, guidebook on inclusive playgrounds, uh, school wellness, uh, and that was in addition of the uh, CSPAT program. So we created an addendum for that program 
So kids actually can go out there and then get their 60 minutes a day that they need. So we know that in this field, you know, it's really, really hard to get students to get 60 minutes a day. So, you know, uh, they might get 30 minutes of quality P and then uh, we have to come up with ways to be able to get them to those 60 minutes. So uh, so that's what we uh, we believe a lot of recess and uh, uh, brain boosters, uh, things of that nature, and then after school, uh, before school activities. Uh, so those are some, some of the good resources that we have. We also have um, some virtual resources. Uh, we have one that's called 14 Weeks for LTRU, and that's more on the health kind of side. Uh, but I think that there might be some use for PE as well, where you can go online, access this program, and then do exercises at home. Um, and then there's other uh, ways to do uh, virtual training with another um, program that we have that is called TRX. It's a more high, kind of high intensity kind of type of exercise. So you might need a few um, equipment at home just to be able to do that. But those are really good um, um, resources that we have. We also have a YouTube channel where we have um, a how-to uh, series that kind of tell people how, uh, that are new to a wheelchair, uh, new using a wheelchair, how they can do some things, how they can go shopping, how can they communicate to their community uh, vendor, how they can communicate to the doctor, um, how to drive a car. Uh, so those are really, really popular uh, resources. Our newsletter is really popular as well. We have one that goes every month, and that one is more kind of like a general newsletter for all target audiences. And now we just started to um, to come out with our micro-newsletter that goes out every quarter. And those, uh, the micro-newsletter that goes out every quarter, the quarterly digest, that's what we called it, uh, is specific to every target audience. So public health professional has one, uh, fitness professionals has one, caregivers has one, educators has one as well. I want to know a little bit too about like so all these different resources you have and, and you talked about how they're validated. Um, how, how are you developing some of these? Are you, um, you know, are, are you consulting experts or, or are you like, you know, you said that there's validation behind it as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I could just say from the early stages, we have contracted with some of the best people in the country, you know, who actually run these programs. So we contract with them. We give them, you know, a certain amount of funding. And then, you know, our expectation is that they go, go into the literature, do what we refer to as a scope and review, and they identify, you know, materials and resources that are either enhancing what they currently have or creating something new. So we always pick the best, you know, the best people out there. And we do have that capacity. Yeah, and we also have a, a panel of experts that, uh, that we can go and, and talk to. Um, so every target sector has at least two or more. Uh, and then I think we have 10 panel expert members and half of those, half of them have a disability. So uh, we're able to get real input on what are some of the things that we need. And we share those documents with them and these resources and they're able to provide really good input on how to make them better, basically. Yeah. So at the minimum, Scott, we get, you know, expert validity. And then at the higher levels, if we have to do something like you mentioned, our manual aim free, which is measuring the accessibility of fitness centers, that was another grant that we had several years ago, so that was validated using very sophisticated methodologies. Um, so everything we do has to have some level of evidence. And, and some of these resources that we have, um, we we make them in collaboration with some kind of partnership. Uh, I can think of uh, maybe uh, Exercise Connection. Uh, we did a video series for, um, for aut autism, 
in physical education, and we were able to partner with uh, Coach Dave, which is a kind of a really well-known person in the autism um, um, field. Uh, so he was able to, to help us, and, and then we were able to create video series that any teacher can go out and find on our website. Wonderful. It, are, are even the YouTube videos you're creating, are there still that validation process going on with those? Well, yeah, anything we put on the YouTube, we, we ensure that whatever information we have has been based on a current study or some study which showed, okay, if, you know, if you do X amount of minutes per day, this type of activity, you know, this is, this is done. But I think the bigger thing now is with, this, with these grades, guidelines, recommendations, adaptations, we've actually got a systematic tool now where we can do this without going into the literature. So, you know, Alex has spent a lot of time, right, the first year doing this. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It was uh, lots of months of, of kind of getting the grades and getting the program to the grades to be able to come up with the adaptations. And then I think if uh, in the future, um, probably not into that question yet, but I think that it would be good if people can actually get these grades and then do the adaptations on their own. Because I believe that every classroom is so different. That the needs are different. Uh, the students are different. So um, that way they can adapt a program or a resource that is going to be kind of personal to their actual experience. I love, I, yeah, this sounds so, so important to me, what you're talking about here, just with the, um, that there's evidence behind what you're doing because you're not only, you know, creating all these different resources, but, you know, a lot of the resources that we have created in our field, a lot of times are teacher created and, you know, might work for one person, not the other, but you've, created these resources for that have some validity to it, which is also just really important for us once again when we're validating our field and saying this is something that has evidence behind it. And I think that's so important. I've had people that have come to me and talked to me before and just said that when they've gone and tried to promote a program to their special ed director or something like that, that they ask them what was the evidence before we do something and they have nothing to show. So you're not only providing these resources, but also that you can say it's proven, that there's some validity behind it. It's, that's huge. And Scott, can I add one more thing to that? Because I think this is a critical piece for me coming from the world of uh, you know, science, being a researcher. The adaptation model that we've now created is called NCATS, NCPAD Knowledge Adaptation Translation Scala. So there are four parts to it, which are, I think every adapted program in the country should be looking at this because it's the, the most valid systematic way to teach students how to adapt programs and services and whatever they're doing in their community. So that's going to all be part of the new website. Right. And I think it's a critical, critical piece that has been lacking, in my opinion, from our profession for many, many years, maybe even decades I, I think we should share some of that information since you two are, are experts in it more than anyone else. Tell us a little bit more about this grades and about this adaptations uh, curriculum um, evaluation system you've created. Yeah, I, I think it's, um, you know, again, you know, what, what breaks my heart is when I see so many universities around the country, Research One universities, actually remove, you know, take positions away from adapted physical activity and give it to exercise science, you know, it's because they're trying to get access, you know, they're trying to bring federal funding in, right? And here we are, we're sitting on a field which has now been created called implementation science. What is implementation science? 
It's the ability to adapt programs in real-world settings, right? And along with that, the medical world has figured this out, and now they've got something called precision medicine. And what is precision medicine? It's you take all of the elements of a person's genotype, right? We've got now the DNA mapped out. You take DNA, you take their behavior, you take their environment, you take their physiology, and you put it into a big data system, and you come out with more precise prescriptions, medical prescriptions or treatments for people who have various chronic diseases. So the model is laid out now for adaptive physical activity because, as Alex said, two children with autism in two different settings could have very different results with the same adaptations, right? But what the grades does is it allows you to keep adding adaptations or to take out different adaptations in these five domains of the built environment, equipment, the um, services, the instruction, and also the overarching policy so that you've got a systematic way of doing this. And I just want to mention to your audience that research can be done. You know, somebody might look at this and say, well, I'm just an adapted PE teacher. Well, no, you are a researcher. Research just means that you're trying to advance science in some systematic way. There are case study journals now where you can do a, you can publish a paper on one participant with autism. So we need your audience to understand that Alex is waiting to hear from you. He's waiting to see what kind of adaptations to have. He's looking in his archive of adaptations to see if those exist. And if somebody's doing something that's really successful, he's going to archive that by their name and by the person that they work with. You don't have to identify who he is, but he's going to say it's a child with autism, 10 years of age. That's how you build the adaptive physical activity science so it's not subsumed by another group of implementation scientists using what we call adaptations. Right? We should be getting more of the NIH funding because we know how to adapt it. Unfortunately, we didn't build a science under it. Now we have the science. We need people to come to Nick Penn, to speak with Alex, to understand what he means by this term adaptation science, and then he can work with them on developing the infrastructure for them to be able to test it in their own community. All right. Thank you so much for joining us again on What's New in Adapted Physical Education. And we are going to have another second podcast with Dr. Rimmer and Alex again coming very shortly. And then after that, I don't have any podcast on the books, but uh, that probably will be changing very shortly. So also, I'm finishing my dissertation at the moment, which is this, you know, a very well-known uh crazy time in one's life so if there's a small hiatus between the next episode and the, and the one after that no angry emails please <laughs> i'm just uh trying to finish my dissertation which is on july 11th for my defense so very exciting all right everyone have a great day and enjoy the end of your school years